You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air, Nipe here with always. Typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 2010 Hong Kong slasher, Dream Home. Is it a slasher, or would you call it a home invasion, an apartment invasion, a multivasion? Can it be everything? I think that, for me, okay, so we have a killer. We have a killer with a very specific motive. Hmm... That doesn't have the mystery of a true slasher. It doesn't have the randomness of most home invasions. It feels like a slasher, though, because slashing definitely happens. It's a theme. And, it, and home invasion takes their time, right? It's usually one family being sieged upon or the deaths are very slow. So even... Or it's cat and mousey, or yeah. it's a psychological, lots of head gamey, shouting and yelling and arguing, and you learn stuff about the way the family dynamic works because the killer is like pulling it out of them slowly, mm-hmm. or pulling something out of them, like intestines mm-hmm. or something slowly. So you get this long, drawn out mm-hmm. terror, but there's none of that. Mm-hmm. But things definitely get invaded. They do get invaded. The victims are random in a sense. But in another sense, they're not random. They must feel pretty random. (laughs) They must feel pretty random. And also, this seems like it could possibly be a spree killing and not a true... This is not like we're dealing with a serial killer. We're dealing with a spree killer with with a very specific motive. So I don't know. Slasher slasher building invasion slash real estate swindle. (laughs) (laughs) A real estate swindle slasher? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Feels like a slasher, though. That's for fucking sure. Mm-hmm. It is a splatter picture. Oh, my God. So here we are. Here we are. We're in a very comfortable realm for us. We're doing some Asian horror. We're doing a very gory horror movie. We're out of the 80s. How do you feel? Tell me Tell me what it's like. I feel it- fucking great, man. I'm a new woman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you are a modern woman of 2010. 2010. <laughs> Fuck 2010. You know what? 2010 was a horrible fucking year for me. It really was. Oh. Yeah, it really, really was. But I wasn't so worried about killing a bunch of people so I could move into a really swanky apartment. That wasn't my goal. But I was moving at that time. And there was a definite problem with the mortgage crisis. Mm-hmm. And the future was looking pretty fucking bleak by that point. So, like... I can see the future looking pretty fucking bleak from 2010 in Hong Kong at this time. So I sort of, I can sort of like feel for our uh, main character, Shang. I'm glad someone feels for Shang because that is just about all the emotion we're going to get out of her. (laughs) Yeah, there was many times in this that I likened her attitude toward what she was doing to that sort of self-satisfied look you get and that half-interested macabre feel that comes over you when you're doing something like killing a hive of hornets or torching a nest of tent caterpillars, mm-hmm. spraying raid on a bunch of spiders mm-hmm. and their babies. 
and you just sort of watch them all crawl away dying. To make sure they do all die. You are looking for... I feel like that's kind of what people are doing. They're looking for the maximum kill count. And making sure none get away. And what are you going to do with the tent caterpillar that is getting away? You're going to light them on fire. Yeah. that The one that is almost getting away, don't they get the most brutal death? Step on them slowly or... We sound sick. I, I think like... We sound sick. <laughs> I think I kind of feel sick. But you'd think, you know, we're talking about bugs and, and things like that. These are these are human beings where she has this exact same look on her face. Yeah. From the very first kill, which we get to... We open with a, with a fine kill. Mm-hmm. A really, really cool kill. This cat doesn't exactly have the be- best survival instincts of anyone I've ever heard. But I'm wondering if... In that scenario, would you just be panicked and you're not really thinking clearly? I think the number one thing that people tell you to do is not to panic. Like if you get um, one of the things I always remember about getting bit by, well, I'm not that I've been bit by something like this, but if you're bit by something that's highly venomous, they said the number one thing to do is to stay calm because a lot of times people will die of shock because they're panicking so much. So the bite of a rattlesnake or a black widow while very dangerous, if you just calm the fuck down and go get the help that you need, you have a higher chance of surviving. The, the venom won't spread any faster, too, because yeah. if you begin to panic and your heart starts to beat, it's going to be pulling that poison through your body so much quicker. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, sometimes it's unavoidable, especially like this is the one time when I don't want to have a horror experiment because I don't want to have to watch somebody die like this guy died. It's a more graphic death, but not any shorter than what I always considered to be an extremely lengthy choking death scene uh, from the first Final Destination movie. I always remember that as, as like, wow, that's a very that took a long time for that boy to. Uh, it's a scene where he the kids in the bathroom, and he gets a, a wire from I don't know I guess something something something. There's like some sort of metal wire that he gets around his neck. And there's shampoo or whatever all over the, the tub floor. So he can't, he's completely lost his balance and the, 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 the blood vessels in his eyes burst. And he's, and it's a very long strangulation scene. This strangulation scene is also very long, also with burst blood vessels in the eyes, but with an irreverent twist. <laughs> because he tries to escape. He, he tries to free himself from this in the stupidest way possible. Um, you deal with box cutters. I do. Day in, day out. I do, yeah. I've, I've myself used a box cutter. I understand how they operate. Mm-hmm. And I've done things like, you know, when you go to somewhere where they put a wristband on you mm-hmm. and they put it on a little snug and you need to cut it off mm-hmm. the next day. Unless mm-hmm. you're like me and you just tear it off with your teeth usually. Yeah. Like a little animal. But mm-hmm. if you're going to be civilized and cut it off with a knife, you normally slip the blade in sideways. Correct. And then if you can, you either, you know, cut sideways and and loosen it, cutting away from yourself like a smart individual, or you can tip the blade up toward you and be funny and tear it out that way. Yeah. I don't think this guy's ever been to somewhere they put a wristband on him before. (laughs) He knows that there's a box cutter in that toolbox when he desperately so listeners this film opens up with a death like we did say and so we're treated to a security guard sleeping and it made me instantly think like i wonder if there's a clip on youtube 
that has all of the distracted, sleepy, eating, reading, reading security guards, watching horror movies, usually Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, I've got to <laughs> look. Public domain is really useful in that. So it is like all these distracted security guards, security guards that are listening to this to this uh, podcast right now. And I know you're listening. What do you guys all just read and eat on your jobs? Do you not? Do you not make rounds and shit? I don't know because movies depict you guys in a very unfair light. This motherfucker is sleeping like you fucking read about because he doesn't hear a person enter the room. He doesn't notice very slowly this um, zip tie. Zip tie, thank you, lowering over his head and then getting pulled completely tight around his neck. And now he's choking to death. He's struggling on the ground like a fish. And manages to remember that there's a toolkit on the top shelf in a shelving unit. And then he's going to pull it down, goes all over the place. Meanwhile, our killer, who we don't get to see their face, is just standing there watching. There's no motion. Now, this killer has drawn a sledgehammer. You would assume that they're seeing. Wonder if this cat can get out. Now, if he can, I'm going to bash his head right in. But if they can't, oh, I don't even need to do anything. Sort of like you'd be standing there watching your nest of spiders writhe and die. And you're just waiting for one of them to crawl away so you can spray it with a little more raid. Basically. Yeah. You're like, I'm not convinced you're going to die. I'm just going to make sure. I guess I always wonder about that. It's like, no, no, no. If you let one of them live, they're going to come back with a bunch of their friends and, I don't know, carry your child out of the front door. I don't know what people think, but... This fucking guy tries to cut, like, cut towards himself trying to, to break it. Now, okay, all right, okay, you're panicked, you're choking, you're not thinking clearly. Maybe, dog, the jugular area is not where you want to be doing this. So he makes a couple of small uh, incisions, but he can't seem to commit to it. So now he is going to literally stab himself completely in the throat, I guess is an attempt to, well, if I, I'm going to come up underneath it through my own flesh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't get very far because, I mean, if you sever major arteries in your head, <laughs> you will die in seconds. He's also been kind of writhing around with this thing for a minute now. So he's been out of air for quite some time and he's choking to death definitely he's losing his faculties and now he's just stabbed himself in the throat so and he's probably going into shock he probably woke up in shock for fuck's sakes like it's horrible and all the while he's glaring at his killer with this oh you fucker as soon as i get out of this i'm gonna give you what for you know <laughs> he's not he's looking at them sort of semi-pleading but mostly just fucking pissed yeah. And semi-pissed at himself for being like, why can't I cut through this thing? And then w that last look of defiance, and then he's just, security guard, sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> he falls over in a massive pool of blood. Not cartoonish levels of blood. Not anime levels Pretty of blood. Pretty realistic, this whole scene, because this is what we open with. This yeah. is pre-credits. Yeah. This whole scene is extremely and harrowingly realistic. Mm-hmm terrifyingly realistic even no matter how how stupid and like ham-fisted he's being with trying to slice this thing off of his neck and ending up creating way more damage for himself 
Mm-hmm. It is really realistic. Realistic amounts of blood, realistic cuts, realist, and they don't shy away from this. They show him slicing at his own neck. Oh, close up. Yeah, and this zip tie is looking like it's extremely tight. Mm-hmm. You can see where he's got a little bit of muffin top. Yeah, he's got a little throat throat top. A little muffin top on his throat. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. It is pretty good. So we understand there's there's a little bit of jargon at the beginning of this movie told to us through some title cards that just the the massive inflation on the housing market in Hong Kong at the time, ever since basically the Brits pulled out of Hong Kong and then the uh, like Hong Kong was able to have its independence. It's maintaining as an autonomous region, even though like the, they still have like a Chinese army and the mm-hmm. police were basically nationwide but everything else was self-governed if you do a little research in hong kong even now the inequality in income is vast the mortgage rates and real estate is sky high it's disgusting how much they are paying for rent and mortgage in hong kong so that all that pressure is really very very real and just for like comparison's sake Hong Kong has um, an area of something around 2,700 square kilometers and a population of over 7 million. Mm-hmm. Ottawa has the exact same size in square kilometers with a population of just under 1 million. Yeah. So it's like having like 14 people in this room with us, Wes. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't feel very good about it. <laughs> and I'd be paying like probably eight times the amount of rent to have 14 people in here. That's crazy. That's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. So we know that, okay, this has something to do with the housing market. We're not exactly sure at this juncture in the movie, but we do know that it's a little past 11 o'clock and we do know that the security guard is dead and we are going to meet our main character, Shang. Well, she's uh, not a telemarketer, but... It would appear so. She works for a bank, but it... Seems like a lot of telemarketing. They're contacting clients and selling them upgraded products. She's got a couple of friends at the office. She seems to be a well-liked woman. But she also is a very busy woman. She's got two part-time jobs. She also, uh, it looks like she works in a department store of some kind and just selling bags and clothing and whatever else. Yeah. People. And then she goes home to... uh, Not home. She goes home to a love hotel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because that's what I was saying. Like She's worked all day at this bank. Talking to crotchety people that don't want to talk to her. And then she's gone to a mall to work in this accessory store mm-hmm. and make no fucking sales there. But whatever. She seems to like just do her job with as much of a smile as she can muster on her face. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, she calls up her useless fucking piece of shit boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And they go hang out in a love hotel for sex. Basically. For sex. Yeah. This guy, let me tell you. He, he's not winning any points with me. He's, he rolls into this hotel drunk. He's just talking. And while he's drunkenly removing his clothes and she's sort of dutifully folding them for him, tells us what he calls a joke, but it's not funny, about like a <laughs> Korean man not beating his girlfriend. There's got to be, like we are saying while we're watching this, there's got to be something lost in the translation. I don't think the word joke is what they were going for there because it had no punchline and it wasn't funny. Yeah. 
And he just drunkenly takes his clothes off and then just lunges at her. And then I guess they have sex. And that's it. We find out very shortly afterwards that this motherfucker is uh, stepping out on his wife. This Shang is his mistress, his other woman. His wife seems to have some sort of idea that she exists. I can't be judgy about stuff like that, really. But he's a piece of shit anyway. Yeah. Yeah. He's certainly not very charming. I don't see what it would be specifically about this guy where Shang would be, oh, yeah, no, this is this is what I'm looking for. Yeah. He's not compelling at all. And I guess you would want to say something like, I guess she just uses him for sex as he uses her for sex, I suppose. But she could use like battery operated implements, basically <laughs> any other man in the universe. But this universe created by Dream Home sort of paints all men in that exact same picture. Yeah, they all... It seems to be understood or common practice, at least in this business sector of life that she seems to be acquainted with, that all men step out on their women. Yeah, but, I mean, maybe that is a reality. There's a lot of realities about Hong Kong that maybe are lost in translation. If We continue with that trend and blame everything we don't get about this movie on that. Um, mm-hmm. The only man in this that isn't really painted with the same picture is one of her co-workers. And there's a scene with her and her co-workers talking about going away for a weekend or something. And she's counting herself out because she's saving up money. But while they're talking about going to Tokyo for a weekend and stuff like that to go and eat and drink wildly, one of the, the male co-worker is excited to go. And just because he's excited to go, his girlfriend turns to him and is like, if you're going to fuck horrors, I'm going to cut your dick. Or something like that. So, like, he's the only guy that seems to be like, well, I better not fuck whores, you know? (laughs) He hasn't even hit on his other female coworkers once, so it's like, he seems to be the only nice guy. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, every man, it seems, is is stepping out. Mm -hmm. So this movie does what a lot of films from Asia do, and it fucks around with the timeline. Nonlinear storylines seem to be the norm, they, uh, I, I find a lot of Asian films, and when I was younger, it was hard to follow. And as I've gotten older and watching more and more of these, it has become easier for me to sort of keep track of time. This movie actually is harder to follow than even someone like me is used to. I found that as well. I feel so. We basically are, this film is happening at three different times. One is taking place in 1997. One is taking place four different times, excuse me. Yeah, because so, then she's a little kid. In 1997, she's a little girl. In 1999, she is a teenager just going into university, or maybe not. Then there's 2004. Then there's 2007, which is our present time. Halloween. Halloween, October uh, uh, 30th. And we know this because they will prompt us every time it is the present day with not only the, the the date and time stamp, because this first killing happens at just a little after 11 o'clock. And most of the time when we're jumping around through years, it will prompt us with, okay, that's where we are. Except for when other things are happening in 19, or sorry, when other things are happening in 2007, they don't prompt us with the date. They only prompt us the date when it is the evening, that's it. So when things are happening during the daytime, you think to yourself, what the fuck? Yeah, it's sort of like 
could this have happened the day after we've been told that it was evening so this is the next morning it's sort of how you start to feel at the beginning it's not until about you know a, like a quarter to a halfway through the film that you're like oh no wait all of this must have happened like a week before or two weeks before something mm. like when we meet her boyfriend which seems to be the next night it's not it's probably a week or two before so once you've like sort of established where you are in the present time which is happening in two different time streams yeah then you're still like it's a little easier when you're jumping way back to when she's a little girl because they have a different actress yeah. that's helpful and she's like little wee so yeah you know it's not the same time mm -hmm. that's helpful and i think it's about 88 actually because they talk about Later on the film, they, they're looking at old photos, and I think that they were kids in those photos. Well, the time prompt did say 1997, though. In 1999, she's a teenager, though. Oh, uh, that's true. So maybe it was 87? Could have been. I just read it wrong. Yeah, that would make some sense. All right. Then they jump forward into before she starts working, and there's discussions about, I'm going to quit school and go and get a job and help the family. Mm-hmm. But they, it's the same actress. It's Josie Ho. Yeah. And she doesn't look a hell of a lot different, unfortunately. Her hair is the same. If they mm -hmm. would have put her in pigtails or something to help us, you know, she's just out of school joining the workforce. That might have helped a little bit. Nah, she's wearing that uh, Run DMC Adidas tracksuit. <laughs> That's how you know that she's a young woman. Uh, basically, yeah. 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 That's why I keep thinking about Kill Bill in this. <laughs> Maybe. So then once you've established that, yes, this is jumping around in all kinds of like times within about a week or two span, there seems to be some scenes that are happening kind of like a day or two after, which are like a little more deeply confusing. Thank God when it all wraps up and this whole story and her motive comes to light, mm -hmm. it's all very easy to sort of go backwards in your mind. It's not like watching Memento. I wasn't as messed up as a lot of people watching Memento because that's about the best example I can think of of mm -hmm. jumping around time, confusing yourself and mm -hmm. them confusing you. And at the end, you're still sort of like, now wait, I need to watch that again. Mm -hmm. Memento was heavily prefaced to me before I watched it. So I already knew what was going to be going down for that. So I, I watched that in one sitting. I was like, okay, yeah, I understand. But that being said, it was explained to me heavily. This, I think, d would deserve two watchings. Uh, um, I think. Or like, four or five. I don't know. I really like this film. So, yeah. I like it a lot, too. Now, Shang, she's got a little bit of an obsession, one might call it. She seems to, and, and her friends are aware of this. Like Calvin Klein obsession? Not quite. She has this obsession with wanting to live in a very specific type of apartment. She has a real estate agent and she, uh, so she and her uh, brother and her mother uh, or uh, grandparents uh, were basically living in this one house together. Now, she still, her and her brother in the present time, lived there together. Her mother died in 2004 and we know this because there's a whole funeral scene that happens and with the with the date and everything like that and we know that her father now is very sick when she was a little girl her grandfather was a see like a sailor of some he had kind. been a sailor so now even now he'd been retired mm -hmm. and in the evenings he'd want to go and look at the bay which i suppose is behind their building mm -hmm. because the building across the way looks out onto the bay mm -hmm. and since their grandfather couldn't see the ocean from their windows he'd have to go and take a walk 
mm-hmm. so that he could see the water. And every evening someone would have to go and find, usually her, I suppose. It seemed like her job to go and find him for dinner. So she'd have to like go on a walk and try and find where he was sitting just so he could see the water. So it became a fixation on her to move across the road simply so she could look out and see the bay Mm -hmm. so that her grandfather could see the bay. Mm -hmm. And also just to have a better address because it is a nicer place. It is a nicer place. Now, she as a little girl has a young friend named Jimmy who... They they do like little cups and string walkie talkies to each other. Yeah, because he lives across the way where from his window, you can see the ocean. It's sort of like that prime location. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's the threat that they will be evicted or moved out because the triad is trying to take over and demolish the building to build a swankier high rise. Yeah. Ultimately, that does take place. That does take place. People who won't leave the building, you know, we've seen plot devices like this in lots of different movies where people are trying to, I likened, uh, I didn't liken this movie to The Purge uh, after we watched it, but I did mention The Purge, the second Purge movie that has this exact plot point in it where they're trying to get people out of a building and so they'll target it to clean out the residents. The Crow has the exact same the, thing, yeah, but the, crow. the gang isn't as organized. No, no. Because the triad where it's working very closely with the government to and having the backing of the government, unfortunately. <clears throat> and this was probably this is something that would resonate a lot deeper with Hong Kong residents and Asian population, if not just people within China, when dealing with something like the Kowloon city, the walled city of Kowloon yeah. within Hong Kong which went under this exact same problem, sort of. The triads were running many of the households. It was in there and it was rampant with violence and guns and prostitutes and drugs and everything. Um, in 1994, I believe, is when the government was pulling the walls down at Kowloon and evicting all tenants. And it was a, a couple-year-long process of shit like this. Mm-hmm. Although this is portrayed as sort of like a... A one building target at this time for mm-hmm. this the purposes of this story yeah. where the triad and the government are sort of working together to clean out this building demolish it and build these swanky high-rise sexy mm-hmm. apartments yeah everybody wins right it's like the triad gets gets rich off of building these buildings and then probably and keep their territory and then also like like the city and the government get extra money because now more like richer people are going to be moving into and now you're not a thug you're a landlord yeah right exactly the end game is is that the people that lose are little little boys like jimmy with his little friend across the way that he plays cups and strings with Mm -hmm. they fill the fucking building with snakes water snakes can you believe that shit not really they must be highly trained snakes because it's like a it's an iron grate that they close the snakes in there with so the snakes are all like they could just crawl out yeah i I don't but they seem to think wow just fill the building full of snakes Hug and kiss poisonous snakes. Yeah. And they cut all the electricity. Yeah. And they probably cut the phone lines. That's why they had to play cups and strings. Mm -hmm. And who knows? This is through the eyes of a child. So they were probably beating, raping, drugging, killing Mm -hmm. people. This easily could be, yes, a story. This is a story about what happened very specifically in one building. This is obviously a symptom of a much larger problem that was probably happening all over the place. But it's it's a nice little isolated story, and we're not worried about all of Hong Kong. We're not worried about this entire city. What we're worried about is just these characters, this one building. When you think about it in the bigger context, though, looking 10, 15 years in the future, like we get to, this is the sort of thing that created this 
massive housing crisis is they took away all this affordable living where people were living mm-hmm. and replaced it with places where you can't fit the 14 people you need to fit in there Wes mm-hmm. you can only <laughs> fit two and they're paying eight times the amount of rent yeah yeah sad when you think about it in the big picture it is I'm getting I'm getting a little too sad let's get back to the killing okay <laughs> so when we learn that Xiang has these weird things in her past that have now culminated into this overwhelming yearning, desire, obsession to own a home with that is across the way, that is facing the water. And even now it makes almost no sense. But I think it comes from a part of her brain that might think, I'll never feel like a success. I'll never feel fulfilled unless the dreams that I had as a child were fulfilled, which is really odd, but also kind of understandable because it makes no sense to anyone around her. Her friends are constantly telling her, why do you want to live in this building? It's so expensive. You have savings that could go towards a cheaper place to live. Even her boss is doing math and saying, like, I don't see how you can afford this. It's crazy. Yeah, it does, and they're asking too much. Yeah. I, I was like, this doesn't make any financial sense for you to try to do this. But she is steadfast in her conviction. She is absolutely, don't worry about it. I'll worry about the money. And everyone's just telling her, you're really... And, and, and she's not, she can't really say... I want to have this property because of my friend Jimmy that I had as a little girl who died and the dream of not having to look for my grandfather so he could look out at the ocean, you know. And I promised my mother that I'd take care of the family and we'd move to a bigger place Yeah, you know, be happy. Yeah, like basically fulfilling promises to ghosts. Yeah, that she made as a child. Yeah, like no one, no one would hold you to any of that. Nobody in their right mind would hold you to any of the things that you said when you were a little girl. No, but it does become a personal choice. You know, all of my life I was a nail picker and biter and my mother had beautiful, beautiful nails. My grandmother had beautiful nails. Even as a child, I'd meet people into my grandmother and they'd tell me what beautiful nails she had, really. My mom could have been a hand model. She had beautiful hands and wonderful nails. And I've always had the thin, brittle, like almost like baby nails. You can just bend them in half. They're like <laughs> nothing to them. They're horrible, weak, filthy little things. I hate them. Um, it wasn't till a couple years ago that I had stopped with the rampant nail biting. And it was mostly because of living up to my grandmother having such beautiful nails. I felt very ashamed. And any nail biter should feel ashamed because it's a filthy fucking habit. Um, but I felt doubly ashamed because... Because of the family legacy, Mm. as it were, of these beautiful nails. And when my mother was very, very sick last year in the wintertime, her nails became even stronger, which seems surreal to me. A lot of her body was failing otherwise, and her hair wasn't doing very well. But her nails looked amazing. Really? Yeah. And even up until the end of her life, her nails were amazing and beautiful. And I had really been working hard on keeping better care of my nails as well and since she's died my nails have become stronger and they're not flexible or bendy and they're not flaky and they're not 
falling apart and horrible, filthy, hideous things. And it's not that it's become an obsession or fixation because I've been trying all the way through this film, like what am I obsessed with? What promises am I keeping to ghosts? Do I know people keeping promises to ghosts like this? And I guess when I think about it just now, I guess I am kind of keeping a promise to have nicer nails to my mother and grandmother. Because <laughs> that's the only people that ever really gave a shit about it. I guess that is the same sort of thing, although it's not like a detrimental promise. That's what I was going to say. Oh, uh, So this seems something a little bit more practical, less ominous, less detrimental to your life. And it's attainable. It's very attainable. And it's healthy to not bite your nails. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of, it's almost... Uh, Oh, you know, this person died because they ate really unhealthy. So maybe I'll just like try to eat a little healthier and then I won't die. <laughs> Something like that. Especially if somebody like that said, don't don't be like me. Make sure that you eat healthy so that you don't have to suffer the same fate. And Shang's father basically said, your father's useless. Get a good job. Make lots of money. And he said that when she was a little girl. Mm -hmm. So that's the same sort of thing that she's living up to mm -hmm. was... Don't live crammed in a small space. Don't live in just what you can afford. Extend yourself. Make a lot of money. Get a nicer place. Yeah. It's just such a fucked up legacy to be instilled upon you as a child. I don't think he... And I was wondering when we were watching that scene, could he ever have fathomed what he would create? I don't think anyone ever could. I don't think so either. Because she's a little touched. Putting it mildly. <laughs> We're back. It is now even further down. It's about 11.30 almost at night, October 30th, 2007. We are treated to an apartment full of women, full of women. There is one. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, where's I want to go to this apartment full of women. Are they cleaning things? Uh, one of them actually is making oh, dinner yeah. and she looked really tidy, actually. She was putting stuff into vacuum seal bags so that she's putting blankets away. All mm -hmm. neat and tidy, folded up and hermetically sealed. Listeners, I feel like I've unlocked a horrible fetish for Lydia over here, so we'll be right back. <laughs> I'm going to wash my hands. <laughs> uh, seriously, though, we have these women just generally discussing. One of them is lying on the bed, and she's discussing with a girlfriend of hers on her laptop. They're doing like a Skype or something about... I guess her husband is spending a lot of late nights out there and oh, he's probably keeping some a mistress. But she's actually thinking, yeah, he's probably keeping a mistress, but that seems like a lot of work, like how, like trying to keep a mistress in the city. It's like, How does he do that? Like, the, like it, It's not even I'm so offended by it. They're actually trying to work their head around. What are the logistics of yeah. having a girlfriend outside of me right yeah. now? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, because he is keeping a lot of late nights now. The other girl's husband is too, which almost makes you believe that that would be the wife of Sheng's boyfriend. It could be. Very well. That or just every single man is exactly like him, mm. which is what I'm more apt to believe. Yeah. Now, we are treated to the creepiest doorbell in the fucking world that I guess you said that it sounded like birds chirping. I think it sounds like a ghost pulling you to your death. But <laughs> okay. But uh, the cooking is interrupted. Conversations are interrupted, and uh, the the young lady goes to the door. Holy fuck! Does that door get broke the fuck in? Because even before she opens it, she 
actually puts the chain lock on. Like a good girl. Yeah. And bam, through the front door comes. Because that's how you do it. That's how you kick a door in when someone puts a chain on. As soon as you see the chain, you just kick it. Yeah. Yeah. We've learned this from all the home invasion films we've watched. It's true. Not because we invade people's homes, but I can tell you who is invading people's homes. Shang. That's right. Our mysterious killer from the very first kill that we saw is none other than our titular character of Shang, our protagonist. She bursts into this fucking room as a mad woman on a mission. What's that mission? To stab this chick in the back of the fucking head while her eye pops from its socket. Instantaneous death. They don't spend a lot of time on this like they did with the Night Watchmen at all. But we've now that we've put two and two together and we're like, oh, she is cold. Yeah. Cold. That that is a it is a ruthlessly efficient way to kill somebody. As ruthlessly efficient as kicking a door in with a chain like she did. Exactly. But oh, she is not done yet because there's another person in the house, isn't there? Doesn't matter. She's going to get a phone call from her boyfriend. Yeah, who, by the way, is while she has literally just murdered somebody and we know that she's killed. This is the second person she's killed tonight. She receives a call from her boyfriend who is asking to pick up a couple of bottles of whiskey and a couple of packs of cigarettes while another woman is discovering what she has done. By the way, this woman that was chatting with her friend on with her laptop is extremely pregnant. The kind of pregnant where when I see them on a city bus or whatever, I think that they should have a big iron cage around them just in case something like this happens. Yeah, this woman looks like she's about to pop. And wow, it's crazy. The the tone, the inflection that Shang is speaking to her boyfriend is just of a, of a pleasant, yeah, yeah, sure. What do you want me to get? Yeah, gotcha. Before 12? No problem. Yeah, sure. There's a body on the floor. There is a woman now screaming in terror. She hangs up the phone. And what happens is an incredibly lengthy, like the first death. But there's just something a little bit more cruel about this. She, the pregnant woman tries to escape and actually pulls the wool out of under her eyes. I was going to bust on her pretty hard for, okay, so what? You're going to the bathroom, close the door, pull the shower curtains closed. What, the impenetrable shower curtains? That's your fucking last line as of defense? As soon as they showed her not cowering behind the shower curtain, all they did, they sh- she came into the bathroom and shut the shower curtain. I knew that she was using it as a ruse. Yeah, it's pretty great. She used that as a ruse to hide in the closet while Shang, now checking the shower curtain, that chick tried to get the fuck out of there, but it's not really going to help her because she does end up falling face first onto her stomach. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you think of like procreation and such. When a girl is that pregnant, falls face first on a hardwood floor, you know what's happened. She is going to miscarry immediately. Yeah. She has broken her water. And sure enough, that is exactly what happens. And she is writhing on the ground in pain. Oh my God, I'm going into labor. And now she is being dragged by her feet. And I thought initially, oh, she's going to fucking chuck this, uh, pitch this chick right off the balcony. balcony. Yeah, that's what I thought too. No, 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 no. She is going to MacGyver some shit. And then I thought, okay, she's zip tied her hands. She's zip tied her legs. All right. Okay. What's going on? Oh, you're putting a bag over her head. Gotcha. You're doing the old, I'm going to suffocate you with the bag. Yeah, yeah. No, because we what we don't know is this is actually the bags that we've seen before. 
that the maid was using to like hermetically seal and and properly fold and put away and store perfectly preserved and moth free yeah moth blankets blankets but now uh so she basically has this this specialized bag on the head and she's going to attach the vacuum hose to it and now just like the security guard she is going to sit there and watch as this pregnant woman rise and desperately tries to get oxygen in when her head is being vacuum sealed this is pre-Luca Magnata, and there were videos uh, circulating apparently before Luca Magnata became a thing. For those who don't follow serial killers, it's Luca Magnata, the guy who had uploaded one lunatic, one ice pick, mm-hmm. and sent a severed foot to our lovely downtown Ottawa Parliament offices mm-hmm. and sent other body parts around the body parts killers, what he was known as internationally, and uh, the head was found in a park and things like that horrible horrible human being but before he did all that horrible stuff to a chinese national student that was here very sad story actually Mm -hmm. before he was doing all that it was even as sad because he was fixated on uh having a necrophilic relationship and performing cannibalism that he went on emo blog rants about for ages and had uploaded videos of him killing kittens and in one of the methods that he was doing this, and people were trying to find him far before he became a killer, right? A lot to do with the fact that he vacuum sealed a kitten on YouTube, for mm-hmm. fuck's sakes. So I worry sometimes, I would never say that horror films influence sick minds like that, but it just seems like such a duality because this movie would have been coming out around the same time yeah. that he was starting to have these behaviors and kill animals very sad what's that line from screen horror movies don't create violent killers horror movies make violent killers more creative yeah yeah i can't believe i just quoted scream i hate everything that's okay half of this episode is gonna sound like we're quoting american psycho because (laughs) she's in the running for a female patrick bateman Wow, is she ever. Except, man, I felt like sometimes Patrick Bateman felt a little bad about the things that he had done. This uh, we are. This is where we're spliced back into this woman's past and we're finding out the pressure that she's put really on herself. The very strained childhood that she had that seems to, again, be kind of herself. It's not her, her dad slapped her. You could, but he seemed to be genuinely, it didn't seem like to be, he was like that guy. You know what I'm saying? No. Yeah. And even then at the time, her her mom was like, what are you doing? You hurt her. Yeah. So I I think that was like a regular thing. I think that was a very isolated incident. Again, she's making these promises to herself, this determination to herself to, to get this apartment. And yes, she has a less than ideal situation. She's working two part-time jobs. She's, you know, getting the runaround, not by a real estate agent, but but by the, the by trying to buy this stuff. She seems like no matter how hard she's working to the jobs that are available to her and the fact that she didn't go to university because she wanted to get a job, because she wanted to support her family. Now the fact that her father is dying and... And because of the fact that he was secretive about his medical history, the insurance for his operation isn't getting covered. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of shipping heaped on this woman. 
but not enough that I would feel, well, now I'm going to start killing people because you're not entirely sure. You could probably guess what she's trying to do, maybe. But at this, but, but in this point of the film, all of the pieces aren't in place yet. So we're not entirely sure why she's killing people. But we do know that she had a series of unfortunate events in her life, but it's not like they were all compounded together. And there doesn't seem to be any serious psychological abuse going on. No, and she seems pretty together. We've seen her at work. We've seen her with friends. We've seen her at multiple works. We've seen her yeah. interact with her boyfriend and not really care too much about anything, but not be unpleasant. She's not unduly unpleasant at any point. She seems to be pleasant, capable. She has her fucking shit together. As far as, far as we can tell. She mm-hmm. has her shit extremely together. Even when she's killing people, she has her shit together. Mm-hmm. And these things that were said to her when she was a child were almost offhanded too. Like with her friend Jimmy saying, I don't want to move. I mm-hmm. guess it translated in her head as, I will make sure that you never have to move again. Mm-hmm. You know, with her father saying like, don't be like me and get a good job. It's like, I will be the exact opposite of you and have all the jobs and get <laughs> all the awesome apartments. You know, like she took everything just to the nth degree, I suppose. Mm-hmm. We do sort of start to piece a little bit of this together after we see her standing over her um, once pregnant and breathing friend on the floor who's writhing in a pool of her own amniotic fluid and blood with this vacuum seal bag on her head. Because after that, she goes to sort of wash her hands and such Mm -hmm. and looks out the window over the bay. Yeah. So then we're like, oh, so this apartment is one of those apartments. Mm -hmm. One of those apartments she likes. It definitely seems to be. Well, the the lobby that you go into does seem to be pretty nice. Got some nice uh, marble finishing on it. It has... It has its own security guard and the and the security. I mean, it has a lot of cameras in it, and the apartment uh, the, when it wasn't coated in blood actually seemed pretty nice. Um, but while she's tending to, because this was not a she she got her first bit of damage in this fight because now she's dealing with an apartment that it's not one sleepy security guard and it's not one woman that she overwhelmed. It was an apartment full of two women and one of them that knew that there was a killer present. And so she defended herself. So she got her face cut. This Probably fighting for the unborn child within her as well. Yeah, exactly. So you're dealing with with somebody who has an even higher will to live than probably normal. Now, at this point, she's tending to her wound in the bathroom and then, oh shit, like who's home from golfing? It's daddy's home. Yeah. Baby daddy, erstwhile mistress fucker. Yeah, well, we don't know he's doing that, but let's Yeah, just... he makes a call in the fucking hallway. Oh, yeah. Same a girl, I pay attention to this shit. <laughs> Actually, I don't really care. Okay, <laughs> but, but... It was interesting to me that he could be any of these men. It's true. He comes back instantaneously, steps on the eyeball, and he's like, what's on the <laughs> bottom of my foot? And, and then he sees his lady, uh, his his pregnant wife, just dead on the ground and tries desperately to, to help her while he's completely busy trying to break the bag over her mouth and, and trying to administer some mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. He gets clunked in the back of the head with a golf club. And what did you say when this happened? For... I was trying to come up with... I was trying to come up with puns for Shang to say... Because I felt like, I was like, when you're, when I have a stoic killer with a mask on, 
I'm like, yeah, okay, they're not going to do puns. But when there is a stoic killer when I can see their face, man or woman, I'm like, where's your puns? Well, you just want everything to be a fucking comedy, don't you? I don't want it to be a... Yeah, kind of. I th- You know what it is? I think that jokes after while you're murdering people are a little cathartic. <laughs> so maybe, maybe me as a viewer can like something a little bit more if they're like, oh, they're joking about it. Because isn't this outrageous? That would kind of ruin it for me. Actually, I wouldn't like this movie if there was if she. Oh my gosh, she had like Ash style one liners. Fuck, fucker, <laughs> fucker. No, I would not like this film at all. You know what? Everyone else would like this film. Fuck that shit. There's at least one or two people on this entire planet that would not like it along with me. Well, you know what? They would just be your best friends in the whole world, and you could just do a podcast with them. Hmm. Speaking of Chris from Bind Torture Cast. Oh, He's good. mentioned this film a million times. Well, maybe like four times or whatever. So I'm really surprised that they haven't covered it. Uh, I think that he would maybe agree with me that that would just destroy what they're creating with this character. Oh, I'm not seriously suggesting that they put some punny one-liners in there. I'm just a punny guy. We have your punny one-liners. Yeah, exactly. So now we are going to have them forever. It's true. In our podcast. So if anyone <laughs> ever watches Dream Home and needs, you know, that sort of levity... To go along with their killing. If they can't handle it. Yeah, they're sensitive like me. Yeah. Then you can just like maybe write down all the one-liners that Wes has for these kills. And the first one is four, of four, course. Four because you hit him with the golf club. That's the most cliche fucking shit that you could say when you dummy someone in the head with a golf club. <laughs> perfect. It's perfect. Uh. Speaks to the everyman. Everyone will find it funny. Yeah. And then the first one when she's killing the security guard... She could be like, I saw you trying to save yourself, but I guess you choked. <laughs> Good one. <sighs> Why aren't I rich? See, I, on the other hand, would prefer that first scene. If it would have gone on twice as long and maybe they could have part of it through the security camera looking down in black and white and maybe some piped in classical music from the lobby. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I'm going with this. Make it drier, more bleak, abrasive. And more soul-suckingly, fucking heart-stoppingly sad. 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 I felt felt the, when we cut to the pregnant woman writhing on the floor for the second time, and she's still just, like, twitching. There's very twitchy, there's very twitchy deaths in this movie. Yeah, it sort of mirrors the security guard also with our friend Shang standing over the body, giving it the look which I equate to no different than watching a tent caterpillar nests die when they're on fire fucking watching paint dry for for all she she could be looking at anything she'd be fucking looking at anything she's watching a status bar countdown while she's loading up the new itunes exactly just standing over it and to me that's sad because it's a fairly dry scene it is very gruesome this woman (laughs) dry and i'm like there's fucking fluid all over the floor wes i mean audio wise it's it's a dry scene it is but this motherfucker ain't done yet because he has got clonked in the head and now he's raging. It's like, you killed my lady. There's this other woman here. I don't know what her relationship is. Maybe you're a sister. She's a housekeeper. Housekeeper? Okay. Yeah. So there's that going on right now. And now he's raging. And he's like, all right. I see. You're what? You're just a tiny old woman. I'm going to beat you up now or at least get my revenge. So he tries to fight back on her. Motherfucker just fucking goes in too hard and he didn't pull up enough because, man, does this fucker break his neck. 
trying to strangle this woman. I'm trying to not giggle. <laughs> I'm trying to giggle. But I do, one thing I like about the scene, and it doesn't really become apparent until the second time I watched it, and even more so because now I'm looking out for these things, is her mad strokes of luck. Because it is just a stroke of luck. And there's one way later on we'll, we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like, is this her destiny? Is this what these few little stroke of luck things are convincing her that what she's doing is right? I always equate the fact that when, when a killer sometimes seems more competent or more lucky in a situation in these types of movies... I always remind people that you're talking about a woman who went into this with a plan. She came to this building to kill people. Mm -hmm. These people didn't wake up today thinking they would ever be fighting for their lives. This motherfucker came home with his golf bag talking to his mistress, thinking that he was going to put down his golf bag, eat some dinner, lay down next to his wife, and go to sleep. Instead, he enters the room to unprecedented carnage. And now has to fight for his life. And I think that any lack of preparedness or any stumbling, any mistakes on his part where, oh, he kind of, he just, he didn't really seem to know what he was doing because it would have been based purely on instinct, purely on emotion. He's dealing with a woman who, he's, look, he's angry. He's at the, 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 the peak of fiery rage and, and confusion but she still has a plan and she is absolutely ready and prepared to kill. We don't know if this guy's prepared to kill. Is he really ready to kill? Would he have choked her to death? Would he have choked her till she passed out? Would he have realized what he's doing and stopped? Would he have hesitated for a split second? Would So any she, of those avenues so would have translated as a to, stroke of luck for to, the killer. Yeah, because she is she's here to kill you. Yeah. That yeah. that's her job. Okay. That that's yeah. how come I always think So it's not destiny, it's not her fate. Damn it. <clears throat> it's preparedness, and I know you love that. Yeah, I do love preparedness. <laughs> I do. I like it. She's got a, she's got like a little outfit on and she and she's got like um little tool belt. Little tool belt with all the little implements. She's got a lot of implements there. Hammers and zip ties and a, she probably has a box cutter of her own. I bet you she does. I bet you she does. But now that even though she's got all these tools, mm. and now that she seems to be done with this apartment and we're only like what not even halfway through this film yeah. she grabs a motherfucking beautiful knife <laughs> i was my jaw hit the floor i when that when she pulled that fucking thing out of the little uh knife block kni- knife block i was like what is that knife it's huge my heart went pitter patter and i longed for a Long missing and stolen from me set of Martha Stewart stainless steel essentials knives. And it was a very similar, the butcher knife was very, very similar to this beautiful, beautiful Michael Myers worthy blade that I loved dearly. I guarantee you if this was a a Halloween movie and somebody in this house was killed by Michael Myers, he would have his old plain Jane butcher knife sitting there and he would, there would be like a long scene where he would like look at it. And then he would see the other one, and he would just very slowly put down his and take that one. That would be the exact way. fucking scene that would happen. Yeah. Because why yeah. wouldn't you? He was like, well, this is obviously better. It's a beautiful knife. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. It's like in a video game. If you find better equipment, what happens to your old equipment? You throw that shit in the fucking yard because no one cares about it anymore. I, got I guess this- there's two kinds of people that watch this scene and 
one half of these people are going like, oh, fuck. And the other half of people are going, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it's going to continue. Yeah. And, and she seems even more armed now with something that seems more like an actual weapon. Beforehand, she's been using zip ties. She's been using hammers. She's been using tools, which, yeah, I guess, like, we look, there's plenty of examples of people using tools in the horror pantheon as weapons. But this is, like, this fucking may as well be a sword. Well, this sledgehammer, I always worry that it's going to just turn into seed and it's just going to be, like, messy, useless, boring mm-hmm. carnage where she's just going to mash someone's head to potato gruel, you know? Like, who wants to see that? I'm bored with that. So at least she has another, yeah, thing in her arsenal. So her kills are going to get more interesting. We have that promise with the knife. And they will fulfill that promise. So I guess we got to go to another apartment. I don't know. How do you pick what's going on here? Like, I guess we're going to go to the one where I hear music coming out of. Like next door. Like very, very next door. So this is, you know, where you could imagine, if you could imagine an apartment that a, a fairly wealthy dude would have and then imagine apartment right next to it, like a Jekyll and Hyde. This is like, like a fucking like a punk drug dealer apartment having like three ways doing coke with an love punk rock yeah yeah listen like with with two like there's two prostitutes there's two guys here's the thing these guys don't really seem like they're pieces of shit they don't really seem all that violent they seem like big old pervs and they seem to like their drugs but they don't really seem like bad guys they seem no different than any average college student <clears throat> yeah really even with the drugs and prostitutes <laughs> really when you think about it except that one of them is a drug dealer blondie is mm-hmm. his name even though his hair is not blonde which makes no sense to me but whatever um i guess it would have been blonde for him to dye it blue but whatever mm-hmm. um they are they do seem like nice guys yeah because even one of their prostitutes She's had too much to drink, maybe too much drugs, and and she, she gets sick, and they don't do, they don't really get, their 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 attitude is like, well, party's over, because like I I was like, oh, what are they gonna do? Like, I don't care if she's unconscious and just be all gross about it and shit. Yeah, and in this like day and age where we have like the Maryville fucking college football picture taken life ruining rapists and shit like that, yeah, poor girls having their their entire lives ruined and. Um, boys, young boys committing suicide over uh, similar problems in their life. Like in that, with this culture that we have here in North America, I don't know if we have that problem in the East the same way we do. But we worry immediately. Drunk, passed out girl, bunch of fucking randy guys. Yeah, we do worry immediately for her well-being, but she seems to be in good hands. Yeah. Her friend said, like, look, she's sick, she's um, she's unconscious, I'll do you both, I'll be quick. Like, like it's kind of... <laughs> like a good friend. Yeah, she's like... like and and uh, these two guys are like, yeah, three-way, like, you know, the, the, the man-man three-way. Some people call it the devil's three-way. Um, I don't, but I've definitely heard that term from people before. Which I think is just actually horrible. I, I, I'd love to slap people in the face who say that. <laughs> well, don't slap me. No, I'm just no, re- that say it like it's a bad thing. It's judgmental. It is very judgmental. Now, they don't want to do it, and we don't really know why. Uh, well, we'll find out very soon. But uh, what they're going to do is they're going to go take turns with the lady. So the one of the prostitutes and one of the fellows take their leave in the back. Yeah. 
So there's just the one guy, the owner of the house, yeah. and the drunk passed out girl, and their drug dealer friend Blondie, mm-hmm. who I think is like just a hilarious guy. I I, 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 he looks he looks like a lot of fun, and I was like, oh, can't this be like? I almost I was like, can't can't her like him and Shang like team up somehow? Can they do? Can this be like a new buddy thing going on here? Where, you know, she's like this relentless... Because there's lots of fucking movies Even like, though he grabs a junk passed out girl's boob and takes pictures of himself, giving it horns and sticking his tongue out, all like, yeah, naked chicks. Uh, no characters start out completely flawless. Hello, tragic flaw. You're a little bit of a goon. Shakespeare. Okay, okay. Anyone? It's true, because I like this guy. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. So, because he, he... I was like, he needs to follow uh, Shang around and just like be all like oh what's going on and be complete and like try to like incompetently help see i just want this to be a comedy <laughs> yeah you do want this to be a comedy i kind of want him and we made jokes about it we sort of wanted this guy to be more like winston from cabin fever and be like i know where all the best parties are <laughs> yeah man. man it's like oh i can help you out i can help you out lots of parties yeah man because that's what he sort of seemed like <laughs> he does kind of seem like that poor motherfucker he opens the door to Shang, and he just gets disemboweled. Immediately, with that huge, beautiful knife. Now tell the nice people, Wes, what your one-liner would be. Knife to see you. My fucking God. I didn't even get, I didn't even get to the, where she, where she hit the other guy with the iron, and I was like, Iron gonna die. (laughs) Iron gonna die. Knife to see you. <laughs> yeah. Knife to see you. The closest thing that I've ever thought was really funny was in um, Kung Fury. Yeah. The two Germans are telling their, their funny story while well, they're talking about their mustaches and what their mustaches look like, which is hilarious. And then the one German says to the other, where did the tank go? <laughs> and Kung Fury Squashes him with the tank and then says, thank you. <laughs> that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Can it all be funny? It was funny, but I didn't laugh. You know what I mean? Oh, I didn't want it to be like a gut busting. The gut busting is happening here and now with Dream Home because this dude's guts are all over the fucking floor. Really good effects. And this mm-hmm. is like, we, we talked about how nice and realistic the security card getting his fucking neck torn open mm-hmm. was and just his death entirely. Um, we didn't go into as much detail with the pregnant woman because it is extremely sad, but yeah. it is extremely realistic and very, oh, very well done. Like, believe me, when watching that woman die in that particular scene, like... They got an emotional reaction out of me. Well done. Well done. And some people, when you're watching horror, I get it. Like, so we do want Iron Gonna Dies and Knives to See You. And, and we want things to be some some horror fans, some horror fans. Later. We sort of wanted a sound effect when that eyeball got popped out. Kind That was of. super quick. We didn't get to really dwell on it, but it was yeah. done very well. It was done really, really well. And sometimes when you're watching a particular brands of horror movies that take these deaths very, very seriously. And you really get the sense that you are watching a human being die, even though you know rationally that this is an actor, this is a scene, these are special effects. It's designed to look real, but it is not real. You, you can sometimes feel, uh, some of our more casual horror fans can feel a little ghoulish or something like that. But I'm telling you that 
if you ever find yourself in a situation where you're you're like, I'm too sad about this, try to remember that. Try to look at it from the perspective of look at all the work that went into this to elicit that emotional response from you. And 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 I always feel like that could be that's always, in my opinion, how to get people into like a little bit more of the grimmer stuff that can be that, that can show that, that can elicit like a, a it could be sad. It's sadder. It's sadder is what I'm trying to say. And stop you from being like, this is gore for gore's sake. There's not one drop of blood spilt in this very bloody film is for the sake of the gore it is all plot driven every single drop swear to god Mm -hmm. the disemboweling of blondie is a great example of very very good effects it's even a little comedic you gotta admit there's parts of his death which goes on for quite some time his actual death takes quite a while is a little funny and it is all just very plot driven she cuts his stomach open his guts are spilling all over the floor he's of course trying to defend himself and in the process of having his guts split open her his finger gets severed lands on the turntable and you get a record scratch (laughs) yeah that scene was the moment when my male roommate walked into the room uh, many years ago when i was first watching this and he was a recent addition to the household and his reaction was what the fuck are you watching (laughs) Didn't know what he was getting himself into, did he? No, not at all. <laughs> he didn't stick around for the entire film, but he did stick around for the sequence, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, man, Shang's got a lot of work to do. There, This apartment is just packed with people. Yeah, she had the one single kill with the security guard, which is kind of <clears> easy. And then she had the household with the surprise man. So, you know, housekeeper, pregnant check, then random dude. That's three. Yeah, she did that pretty good. She only had a little cut on her cheek at the end of that. Mm-hmm. But now there's like there's rooms with people in them she is not aware of. Mm-hmm. There's already two people in this room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she has to deal with. She's already dispatched Blondie. Now there is the matter of the uh, of like the fact that one of the dudes that wanted to go have sex has swapped out with his friend. And no, he went to clean puke off his dick. Oh, well, not his dick, but it's crotch. Got gotcha, you because prostitute it, girl that they blew coke up her nose to kind of wake her up. I guess it's like reverse chloroform at that point, ooh, trying to get her to yeah. like perk up a little bit. Uh, puked all over him. Yeah. Puked all over him, which is <laughs> hilarious. And I figure that's karma coming to bite him in the ass or puke on his dick because he had told the story about how he accidentally blew his load all over his friend's face while they were double teaming a different girl. Mm-hmm. And now he's got a girl puked all over him. Which is why he doesn't want to, which is why his friend didn't want to have a three-way with him. Because he's like, last time we had a three-way, you come on my face. Yeah. And I'm not into that. So now he got like, probably come puked all over his own crotch, which is hilarious. So he went to go and clean himself up. So he was gone of the apartment while his friend was getting disemboweled. And then came back to a psychotic fucking monster of a woman come to fuck up him and all his friends. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, there, there is a brief struggle that ensues, not quite as, as intense as her struggle with uh, that guy with the golf club when he got home. I feel like that struggle went on for a little bit longer. This guy uh, fucking gets in a, probably my favorite death in this movie, just in terms of just how well it was done. He eventually gets a fucking bong stabbed into his neck, and he is just sort of 
in a daze stumbling around the room while this bong slowly fills with blood. It's kind of beautiful. It's really, really cool. The timing in it's really realistic, too. You can envision that that's about how quick your body would be pumping blood into this thing. I often think that his first instinct would have been to pull it the fuck out of his neck. But whatever. I always, like, I don't know. Like, maybe it would click. I was always told, um, I'm always like, if you take something out or if you leave it in, what's better, right? And the instinct is to pull it out, but yeah, like something like an arrow through your leg. You don't yeah. want to pull it out because you're going to create more damage on the way out. Yeah. Especially if it's like a bear. Yeah. And, and so if you have something in your body, like a foreign object in your body, you're like, oh, okay, well, if I pull this out, am I going to bleed all over? Is this thing in me right now holding me together? So. And part of me wanted to see him pull it out because I know there'd be some sort of suction in, well, maybe not because there was like the bowl mechanism but whatever i wanted to see him pull it out and have parts of the inside of his neck come with it i think that that's where my brain was going with that i would assume that if they were to pull it out it would just there'd just be like a huge burst of blood and i think that the the option i mean that that works too there's nothing wrong with that i just think that you know we've seen a lot of gushing we've seen gushing from the security guard he sliced his own fucking throat open so having it contained and having him sort of stumble around and be like very shocked and not know what to do with himself Mm -hmm. with this glass ball of blood filling at his neck is extremely gory Mm -hmm. and wonderfully contained and quite kind of quite unique that's what i was gonna say it's very unique it's one of those things where well that's a standout moment in this movie that's a standout death and that's something that you could be like all talking about crazy deaths in a horror movie well, you talk about the time that you saw a movie where this guy's neck got stabbed with a broken off bong and then it just slowly filled with blood as he died. Because we get the opposite. If someone said, oh, I wish that they would have had it just gushing, be like, well, go watch the raid and you can see Mad Dog die in the same sort of way without the ball of blood. Yeah. And it'll just gush all over the place if that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that's two like fun deaths <clears throat> back to back and ultra bloody. If we had thought that there was a lot of blood spelt up until now. This apartment is getting repainted. It is definitely getting repainted. Not quite as uh, we could say like the living area in Macabre. It's not like that. But this would be like a much more realistic version of that. Mm -hmm. So now (laughs) during the struggle, the prostitute that was uh, lying mostly naked on the on the couch passed out. She has gone up to the bathroom to go and throw up. And, And she doesn't really seem to be noticing that Shang is not her friend. Yeah. She, and and so she doesn't really understand that anything bad is going on. She's so out of it. She's so out of it. Yeah, she's asking if she can go now, which yeah, is kind of cute. Can we go now? She goes to vomit in the bathroom. Shang bashes that woman's head completely in on the toilet, breaking it. Breaking, like hitting her so hard against the toilet that it breaks. And so that woman's down for the count. Now the only thing that's left to worry about, honestly, is the fact that there's still two people loudly fucking in the other room. But before things get a little sexy, they get sexy. Things are gonna get a little real. So we know Shang knows that her father is very sick. He has uh, lung cancer, basically, right? Yeah, and I think it's because he'd been a carpenter, worker, a house builder of some sort for so long that he's probably inhaled asbestos, if Mm. not a myriad of other chemicals and horrible things for your lungs. He developed lung cancer as a result of asbestos and his workplace. His lifestyle isn't very helpful either. It becomes apparent now because she starts in this memory she's having roughly 
packaging up beer cans. He's a Pabst Blue Ribbon drinker, apparently. <laughs> Would you inform me as a hipster beer now? Yeah. I was always just like, that's garbage beer. That is the go-to hipster beer. Why? Because it's cheap and it's ironic. Because <laughs> it kinda, tastes so horrible. Kind of like hipsters themselves. Oh, yeah, that's right. I said it. <laughs> so she's roughly like packaging up all these beers and cleaning up, which I guess is like the normal person way to start an argument is you start cleaning up and being rough around somebody before getting to the point about what it is that you're upset about, mm-hmm. which I kind of hate. I kind of hate that little aspect of it because it doesn't seem in character for her because she seems to be a very direct person in her killing, in her work, in her relationships, everything. She's a very direct person. Even asking her boyfriend for money later, she's like very Ask- direct about it. Yeah. She basically she, she... swallows his wad and says, I need to borrow money. Yeah, she tried buttered him up with a blowjob, though. I don't think it was buttering him up at all. I think that was just hanging out, you know? Like, I poured you a glass of water. Is that buttering you up for the podcast? No. It's in case your throat gets dry. So she was emptying his balls, and that had nothing to do with what was on her mind. She just turned to him and said, I need to borrow money. It's crazy to me that you equated pouring me a glass of water to giving me a blowjob. Because, like, those are not in the same category to me. They are in the same category when it comes to someone like Shang. Okay. I'll give you that. That's where I was going with that. Enjoy your water. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. What the fuck? That's where I was going with that. (laughs) All right. She is using this opportunity to be frustrated at him by being a slob. Sitting on the couch all day, she's probably thinking about how much she works, even though he's sick. She's looking at him as a burden and a burden who's not helping himself. It, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back is it's like, you're drinking, you're fucking smoking, you have lung cancer, you're not doing anything to help yourself. And by the way, we the insurance policy that I took out for you, you lied to me or you withheld information. So now the policy is worthless and we can't afford this. And when I say we, I mean me. I'm the one that's working. I'm the one that's bringing in the money. I'm the one that can't see the ocean from my apartment because of you. And he says, basically, I don't care. I'm going to die anyway. Yeah. Let me die. I'm fine with that. Which is his attitude and explains why he's still smoking and drinking. Unfortunately, many people find themselves in this sort of headspace when they're dealing with people who aren't willing or interested in helping themselves Mm -hmm. and are accepting the inevitable Mm -hmm. unfortunately it does seem slightly out of character for our friend shang but it isn't out of character because she is a human being dealing with a very human thing like Mm -hmm. we said we're going to get real here and this is pretty fucking real in the middle of the night her father is having difficulty breathing um and she hears him, she wakes up, she goes to her, his bedroom, and she prepares his mask. He needs basically uh Yeah, they have an oxygen machine next oxygen. to his Thank bed you. for the times when he's having difficulty breathing. But instead of giving it to him, she sits on the bed with it in her hand, and she makes that decision to not help him. And so he basically suffocates. And what could be... A pretty emotional scene if it were a drama because she's sitting on the edge of the bed what you would think contemplating all of this and the argument that they had had and all of her life and her goals and being face to face with her father's disinterest in living much longer anyhow and at the same time though he is grasping her shirt 
trying to get her attention mm -hmm. so that she will put the mask on him so he can breathe and live. And she pulls the shirt that he's grasping onto away from him and doesn't even look at him. Mm -hmm. Sits on the edge of the bed holding the oxygen mask that's turned on and ready to go and just waits till he stops breathing. Let me ask you this. If at the last second she said, uh, I can't do it, and puts the mask on him and he starts to breathe and he recoups, awkward between them after that point? Oh, totally. And the whole film would have to take a whole different track at that point because that's where we're going to return to the apartment where she just killed a whole fucking bunch of people she's going to have to have a change of heart there too lucky for us unlucky for everyone else involved but lucky for us she stays within her cold character because at this point we it has been determined and we're very convinced that this is a very cold-hearted determined person who does not give a shit about anyone else around her so she does not put the mask on her father she returns in time we return with her to the night at hand where she's killing people and she's encountering the couple. Mm -hmm. I keep saying couple, but they're not a couple. It's a dude and a chick fucking in the bedroom in the back. Yeah. So now I know she's not all about change of hearts. If she'd have had a change of heart there, she'd have had a change of heart here. You'd pointed out when she had killed the first prostitute, you felt bad because, oh, she didn't do anything. And I reminded you. No one has done anything <laughs> to deserve any of this. But she done, did less than nothing. She was asleep on the couch, and then she got up, and then just went to go vomit. And she then... didn't even know what was going on. No, she she saw dead people all around her and didn't even notice. Yeah. It was... She did less than nothing. It's true. I did feel bad for her. Now, so the couple is in their couple. The, 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 the two of them are in there, and they're going to town. And just like what I would assume, like when they're fucking... And then she grabs him. It's doggy style. So like, like, so the girl has no idea what's going on behind her. And it's very vigorous thrusting at that. So oh, it's yeah. very active doggy style position. Is there another word for that position? I don't think so. I've only ever heard doggy. Mm, okay. Do you not like the sound of it? I never liked the sound no, of it. No, yeah. I don't think anyone does. Yeah. Except maybe this guy. This guy. So he gets penetrated. Uh-uh-uh. <laughs> by the knife a few times and uh, she doesn't notice because again as he's getting like fucking killed he's just making guttural noises which are just sex noises and, and Sheng is thrusting at him behind him yeah, so and she has him around the throat and is probably kneeing him in the small of the back or at least I'd imagine she is yeah. to get the maximum depth with her awesome Martha Stewart knife um, stabbing him multiple times all the way through his body yeah and so she just thinks he's coming. Yeah. And in what is, which is, what I would say is Shang being the most playful, which is also, in my opinion, kind of uncharacteristic. She pulls the knife out, dripping with blood, flicks it so it just splatters the girl's ass and back. Like, almost to, she thinks. I think that's when she cuts his dick off. Maybe because she definitely does that. So, and then the, the the girl is like, "Oh, so much!" Like, like, oh, you just come all over my back. Yeah. And then she lies down onto the bed and she drops a body. Shang tosses this dude's severed penis next to the chick on the pillow, and blink and you'll miss it. A little bit of cum comes out the top of it. Amazing effects. 
it looks very, very realistic. There's been a lot of cock trauma I've seen in horror films, and I don't know if it's to set the male viewer a little at ease. It looks less realistic than mm-hmm. this looks like a dick. Yeah, this looks very, very realistic. I think Father's Day is probably the other more realistic cock trauma. I always think about dude getting his dick bit off with <laughs> so much blood. What a great movie. It is a great movie, and so is Dream Home. And this is a great scene because it is extremely brutal, very sexy. The sex they're having is sexy sex. Oh, yeah, it's sexy. Everyone's attractive. Like, it's go time. Yeah, and it's kind of funny. I don't know if it's necessarily uncharacteristic or playful of her, though. I love your choice of word, playful, because uh, I could see it being seen as playful, but you also want there to be comedy, which leads me to another question I'll have. But... I think that this has a little bit more to do with the little tiny bit of spite she might harbor for her boyfriend type person and all the men that she seems to be surrounded by. She might as well cut his dick off. Um, It's funny you should say that because I did also have that thought when we were watching the movie mm-hmm. that it seemed to, and I think the, Killing, killing of this couple in the throes of passion. I don't think like there's anything specific about them. They were gonna die regardless. They could have been in there playing mahjong, and she would have killed them both anyways. Mm-hmm. But I do think that because of the extra theatricality around their death, might have actually been because of the fact that they were fucking. Yeah. I don't think she would have bothered to cut off this guy's dick, who she stabbed several times, and then casually throw it on the 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 pillow and while also like the blood going on the girl's back i don't think she would have bothered to do all that it would have been a lot easier on her to not throw the dick on the pillow or cut his dick off whatever at all he was already very very dead Mm -hmm. uh she could have just let his body drop have her be unaware and attack the girl while she's unaware Mm -hmm. instead of making her aware and not that easy of prey because this uh chick puts up uh more of a fight than a lot of people do Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm she ends up underneath the futon bed almost immediately, mm-hmm. like you would, because yeah. you'd want to get away from the crazy killer who just threw your fucking sex partner's cock on the pillow beside you. Mm-hmm. Did you have a one-liner for that? That was my other question. Um, I didn't really think of a one-liner, and I could try to stall to come up with one, like, you just got fucked. But, like, I just I don't really have anything. Um, I got nothing. Penis mightier. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. The penis is mightier than the sword. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. That's a good one, but yeah. <laughs> I had a feeling you might have grayed out there with this one because, I mean, it is cock trauma after all. Uh, yeah, to me, uh, in horror films, uh, cock trauma never really gets me. I mean, I could think of uh, things like Father's Day, uh, uh, Cannibal Holocaust, um, uh, Tokyo Gore Police. There's lots of films that I've seen that have had cock trauma and it doesn't really, I never get like that, ooh, like I never, to me, um, I get more wigged out by people uh, asphyxiating on their own blood, uh, that kind of, I'm like, oh, I'm always grossed out by that. Um, mouth trauma really gets to me in any way, shape or form. Cock trauma, not so much. Yeah, not so much. Yeah, I feel that like not a large percentage, but there's like sometimes when men are talking about their visceral reactions to cock trauma on screen or of watching a horror film with a man who is witnessing it and having like the squirmies. Uh, I think sometimes they reacting like that because they feel they're expected to react like that. 
and on a small percentage that they're not it's not really affecting them i've seen a lot of uh vaginal trauma and you watch rape scenes and many women do react very viscerally to the men do too people do Mm -hmm. um but i just yeah i don't really react to them like that what i did react to is coming up actually Achilles tendon trauma. It's very like, and and that's another thing that's like, oh, that got me too a little bit. So this woman underneath the futon, uh, so Shang basically loses her balance and breaks through. No, yeah, the the futon. I mean, the futon is made of like very flimsy wood, right? And so when Shang drops her knife, the the prostitute. I wish she had a name, but for now it's prostitute. I'm sure she has a name, but. She might not even be a prostitute. You know, but they kept implying that they were. The, like, there's a lot of dialogue that would lend themselves to that. The, the, they could have been cocktail waitresses. It could have been. The young lady that cocktail is having... Cocktail waitresses. Oh. <laughs> uh... Sorry. So, so, prostitute type girl? I don't, I don't know. know. The young yeah. lady that's had that's, that was having sex. She grabs the knife, stabs Shang, like, wow, right in the fucking ankle. Oh my god, is it fucking gross, gruesome? Now, <laughs> like blade parallel to the Achilles tendon right through the back. So of it, it makes you think, like, because let me tell you, like, I had um, once when I was young and I realized what happens to your leg when the Achilles tendon is severed. The, and like what Achilles tendon does is, you know, keeping the your calf muscle down and 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 allowing your your ankle to hinge and and, and stuff like that. So when it rips, it pulls back and your and your calf muscle pulls up and the feeling of that, like it's just like the worst cramp you've ever had in your entire life in your calf muscle because it's not being stretched the way it's supposed to anymore. That sounds absolutely fucking brutal and agonizing to me. So anyone who has ever experienced that. Oh my God. So sorry. This seems to be like, fuck, is she lucky? Because I couldn't say for a hundred percent that her Achilles tendon was severed. And once we, once we see her moving around on it, I'm like, there's no way in hell her Achilles tendon is, is severed because she would not be able to fucking walk. It looked like it went right behind everything, unfortunately. And it probably just scraped bone terribly and it might've bruised the tendon, which is just as painful, but without all of the nasty mechanical damage. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And this is where I was thinking, oh man, the things you don't consider when you try to go on a murderous rampage. I know. Right. You kind of just think, okay, I'm going in there. I have a plan. Oh, shit. My face got scraped. That's fine. I can just, I could say anything happened. I could blow that off. Yeah. As just, oh, I fell or whatever. But then when she's looking down on her completely fucked up ankle, she's like, okay, this has escalated. I can deal with this, though. I can deal with this. Like, I, I can imagine, like, okay, this is fine. This is probably fine. This is fine, right? Pulling it out, and it's so swollen, and it's so fucked up. And, but... She, this is like where I would say probably um, not as angry. I wouldn't say that Shang gets angry at this woman, but she's definitely done fucking around. She, she shoves a broken off piece of wood down that woman's throat. And which is kind of not funny, but <laughs> makes me laugh because mm-hmm. there's a difference between those two things. There is. Yes. I hope there is. Yeah. When she shoves that piece of wood down through the futon, we don't get a like a really good look at what was had been done to this girl because it sort of the camera pans up over the slats, so we get to see like a glimpse here and there in between the slats of this girl's face with this big piece of wood stuck in it, 
But before we get to see that, the wood is perfectly still. So we think, oh, wow, she just like drove this wood into somewhere and this girl and killed her dead. But then the wood starts to like wiggle and slap in between the slats. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, wow, that's mm-hmm. that's sick. But I love it. I love it. Shang tries, uh, applies a much more pressure to it. And you think, okay, well, that's definitely, that's dead now. Yeah. But, oh, shit, we got a little bit of a problem. A little bit of an issue. We got to fix this ankle. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to fucking MacGyver that shit again. She's basically going to, my first thought would be like, well, this needs to get cleaned immediately. Yeah. No, she's just going to wrap it up. Wrap it up in like a rag that she had around, like on her, and then she's gonna put one of her zippy ties and just, and she's like, "That's probably fine." Right? Well, she's on her way out now anyway. Everybody's dead. She's done. Uh oh. Knock 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 knock. Pizza. You wish. It's the coppers. You wish. I kind of wish. Yeah. It is the cops, which is kind of hilarious because you're like, "How could this get any more fucked up?" Oh, this is how. Yeah. Here's police officers. By the way, we've brushed over the fact. That Blondie's not dead. He, we forgot the fact that this motherfucker, with his fucking bowels all over the goddamn place, grabs a joint and tries to take a hit off of it and just says, it went out. Which is kind of hilarious. That's, it, it was that scene, when that part hit, it was when my male roommate gave up on watching this film and walked out of the living room. It reminded me, of, like, as a much more serious and gory version of, like, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie where that dude gets the stake in his heart and he just won't die. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And he, and just, like, the whole movie, he's just like, uh, 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 my chest hurts. So, which always stuck in my head as a little kid. <laughs> I saw that movie when I was really young. So, when Matthew Perry was somebody. Because Blondie's sprawled out right behind the door. Mm-hmm. So anyone coming into the door is going to fucking see this body. Absolutely. And it's blood it, absolutely it's everywhere. Like it's the, the fucking floor is completely caked in blood. There's bodies absolutely everywhere. There's probably blood all over the walls if you look close. Like, holy fuck. Probably smells like a fucking slaughterhouse, too. Oh. And puke. Puke. Yeah, puke. And Blondie had already reacted to the scent of the puke. So yeah, whatever, yeah. This, whatever the girl's puking up smells rancid. And sex smells, drug smells, like the whole fucking apartment probably reeks to fucking high heaven. There's enough stuff in that apartment probably to make the cops not happy anyways. Like where you would be like, ah, oh, some illegal activity going on here. It's like you have prostitution, you have like fucking drugs, there's cocaine here. So I, I don't think that. And then and now there's all this murder, all this murder that's everywhere. <laughs> they were called there on a noise complaint. It's true. Now, it's funny because the music is pretty loud. Uh, Shang does turn off the music when she's making her way to it. Now, as the cops are at the door, we are brought back to the past. Now, Shang's father is dead. He had, I'm not going to say a substantial policy, uh, insurance policy, but she got about two million smackaroos. Mm-hmm. Don't know what that translates to by our currency's uh, standard, but two million of anything sounds pretty good. From Hong Kong dollars? 340,000 Canadian dollars. So, I mean, that's not nothing. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that's a very... He would have worked all of his life. She had taken out a great amount of health insurance. Surely, amounts of that would translate into his life insurance. And she probably had ample life insurance just because she is a smart working person who works at a bank and invests properly and has said before that people should invest properly and sells investment packages and insurance packages on the phone all day. So just naturally, whether any of this plan would have ever been put into motion for whatever reason in the back of her mind, 
I don't think that has a lot to do with the amount of his insurance policy at all. I think that that's just her nature and the nature of her family to have things taken care of financially. She instantaneously gets in contact with her realtor and says that this dream apartment of hers that she's wanted her whole life, she'll take it. She'll put the down, she'll write the check, the down payment right now, give it to you. Don't worry. We're doing this. Lock it down. We're going to do the deal. This is about two weeks prior or so because he says it'll take 10 business days for the insurance check to come through. She tells her realtor, I'll have the money for you on the 30th. Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening is she is on her way to finalize the papers, basically sign everything, cross your T's, dot your I's. The place is yours. Congratulations. She gets caught in a little bit of traffic. She's a little late. I, I get the like like half an hour late or whatever. Yeah. And in that time, the family either convinced by their own realtor or through their own, but probably convinced by their own realtor, decide that they could probably get twice as much money as their asking point that they want to do. So they don't want to sell to this woman for the price that they agreed upon, which was about $4.9 million. And instead, they're going to try to go for double that. But don't worry. We'll give you money back. We're going to double your money. So don't yeah, worry we'll about it. We'll double your down payment. Your initial down payment back to you. She does not care. She wants this apartment. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the money. And she can't believe that they backed out of their deal. At the last second. Yeah. She's disturbed deeply. Not only because this is her dream apartment. And she's now willing to pay whatever it takes. She's disgusted and appalled and shocked that they have backed out of their deal. She doesn't freak out too badly. She freaks out a little bit. She freaks out like a mad businesswoman. She doesn't freak out like a hair-pulling banshee, though. No, that's true. It's not like she needs to be escorted anywhere or anything like that. But she's absolutely upset. And now she doesn't really know what she's going to do. And now the pieces start falling into place for us, the audience. That is what this is about. We know what apartment she's... We know what building she's in now, for sure, for 100%. Yeah, we've seen the realtor show her this apartment. And it's the same marble outdoor... Uh, of apartment A and B, unit A and B, which are the units that we've just seen repainted, as it were, mm-hmm. with the blood of the tenants that are currently there. But now Shang has a different problem, is the fact that there's police officers there. She's opened the door. She has. She looks wrecked. She's been in a couple of fights tonight. She has a wound on her face. Uh, she's got a cut lip. The police ask her... Um, did someone hit you? Are you all right? We- she's trying. She's coughing and trying to pass it off that she's sick and she had fallen asleep taking cold medication and realized the music was up. Sorry, sorry. Thank you, thank you. Bye now. Yeah. They do the old foot in the door policy. And then just as you think, they're not convinced. They're not ready to go just yet. But just when you think things couldn't possibly get any worse, guess who's back? Our naked chick with the fucking piece of wood sticking in her mouth. And she has a knife in her hand and she is going to try to attack. They save Shang by bursting to the door, stopping her. And then what happens when you got two guys with guns, a woman with a butcher knife, another woman who is absolutely prepared to kill? It's a scene not unlike when the cavalry shows up in that flick hardware that we watched, where where it's just like, oh, sweet, everything's fine. There's a lot of people with guns here. No, nah, they're just going to shoot each other. It's a massive stroke of luck for and, Shang. And this is where I absolutely agree with you. This is an absolute fucking stroke of luck. 
the 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 naked woman cuts the the older police officer's throat. He fires his gun into the cheek of the younger police officer, which sets Shang free. The 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 woman falls face first, shoving that piece of wood directly through the back of her skull. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the other guy actually ended up shooting her accidentally, which it, is kind of like my one of my favorite little choreographed scenes. It's a really favorite well done. death and. It's fairly heavy CG, but it happens so fast that it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter at all. And now you have uh, one police officer that he's been shot to the cheek, so he's not dead. He's super hurt, though. He he slumps down. The other dude, you think he's okay, is kind of looking at his gun like, oh, fuck, what did I just do? And then his throat just explodes in blood because he's like, oh, yeah, my throat has been completely sliced open. (laughs) So he drops to his death. Now there's this moment where uh, Shang picks up a gun. And it's almost like, I was like, oh man, like she keeps just upgrading her weapons. Now she has a gun. And meanwhile, Blondie, our old disemboweled friend, has like dragged himself from one end of the room to the other. It looked almost to me like he is opening up the refrigerator to get ice there. To like, are you trying to put your guts on ice? To like, to, to help yourself where you can get help or something like that? I thought he'd be looking for a lighter to finish off that joint that he's been lamenting. Oh, that could be it too. But basically what ends up – so there's this funny sequence that you actually put like an interesting uh, spin on because she picks up a gun and then she slowly brings it to the police officer who's been shot through the cheek to his head. And she does hesitate and her face does have an emotional reaction where she's like, oh, should I do this? Should I not do this? What was your theory on what she was thinking about? That it wasn't emotional about killing a person or not killing a person. Because this is the first time that it's, like, she's been up very close and personal in her killing. Yeah. She's done some very, very, very brutal things. This is this would be the least brutal, the least personal thing to shoot someone in the head with a gun right in front of her. As someone who's helpless, basically. I don't think that she's grappling with the humanity or the morals. I really don't. I think that she is trying desperately to think four steps ahead in this game of chess she's been playing. How does this work out in my plan? To kill everyone in here in a specific way so that it looks a specific way when I'm done. How is this all going to work out? That's true. How (laughs) is this going to work out to best benefit me? I haven't had a chance to think this through at all. That's what she's grappling with. She's like, I just need a minute. Not I just need a minute to work up the guts to shoot a guy right in the head because she's done all kinds of way worse things. I just need a minute. To figure out how to do this best and if this is the best move. Because if it's not, I can't take a step back. That's all she's thinking. No, and I agree with you with that point, actually. And Blondie is now dragging himself away from her because she is very calmly walking towards him and she has a gun in her hand. She crouches down next to him and has the gun and then she lowers it because she's thinking, oh, that's no good. You can see the wheels kind of turning in her head. And then she brings the gun back up to his face, but now is putting the gun in his hand. And I guess beforehand she was thinking, I guess we're just, I'm going to assume that they're going to think some crazy person broke in here and then killed everybody and then left. But now I have a killer and this killer is going to, who was here for whatever reason, let's assume it was some kind of drug deal gone bad. Cops showed up, things got out of hand, everyone died, guy killed himself. Maybe he killed everyone next door, too. Yep. Yeah. We'll just blame the whole thing on him. This is perfect. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, we as the audience know that Blondie probably doesn't live there. He seems to just be there to do this deal. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't really know that. So I was wondering, does she have all that worked out in her head? I guess it doesn't really matter. As long as we have this one guy who apparently killed himself through a self-inflicted gunshot wound, then I guess people would just be, oh. Uh, it depends on how much she heard at the door because he saw her about to go into that apartment and mm-hmm. do what she was going to do. That's true. So she did know that he wasn't in the apartment initially. Yeah. And that he knocked on the door at least, although people do knock on the door expecting their wives or girlfriends to open the door for them. He rang the doorbell. It's weird. But she would have heard some sort of conversation at the door about either drugs or a threesome, Mm -hmm. depending on how much she was listening to, because the stairwell is right there. That's true. Yeah. So we'll assume that she maybe got, got that information through eavesdropping. Or guessed, and it just made a good guess that he didn't live there. But now she is going to put the gun. Now she wants him to put it in his mouth. Like she's fucking like it's And he's like, weapon. nope, mm-mm, nope, mm-mm, mm-mm. Put the gun in your mouth. I don't want to eat the yucky food. <laughs> she fucking punches him right in the guts. Says, you don't have the guts to do this. Bah. Oh my God. She doesn't say that. No, but... she doesn't say a word. She doesn't have to. And she doesn't even have to give him too much of a punch because his guts if we recall are spilling out all over the floor i'm sure that would really hurt he screams out in pain fucking she shoves a gun into his uh mouth boom his brains blow out the back of his head and we out now she's done she was done before the stinking cops showed up and now she's now done. she's done 11 people dead is 12 that 12 if you count the baby 12 if you count the baby yeah they count it up for you she wow. counts it up for you when she's on the phone later oh that's true so she doesn't make a phone call the way that our friend Patrick Bateman would make a phone call. No, I killed a lot of people. The realtor calls her. At work, yeah. At work. And he says that, oh, it turns out that they want to make a deal after all. Well, and, and, and they want to go back to their original price. And she thinks to herself, I don't know if I want to pay the original price. Did you see? I just got a copy of, the, of this paper. It said that there was 11 deaths last night. And so now we're, we, like, I'm pretty sure any uh, thoughtful person could piece this real estate scam that she's been trying to pull through this entire flick. She has been trying to paint this as a violent building so she can get her realtor to negotiate a far lower price on her dream home. 3.9 million Hong Kong dollars. And she says to him things like, my friends think I'm crazy to even pay that. Which is hilarious because her friends do think she's crazy to have paid what she was originally going to pay for the fucking place. So it's Mm -hmm. not really a lie. It's not a lie. And now it actually will become much more affordable. It's it's 1.3 million Hong Kong dollars less than their original price, price, which was 4.9. Which they wanted to double or wanted to even get more from. They were looking to get something like 8 million for it. Oh, yeah. Like hilarious in a way that mm-hmm. she's going to wiggle them down and her realtor sort of agrees that he can probably wiggle them down to 3.9 million for and her. they must have because the next time we see her she is in the her apartment she they got it and so i guess you would you would actually point out that her bed doesn't fit in uh, the bedroom 
It was kind of hilarious. It is hilarious. It's one of those things that you do when you're scouting an apartment. You count how many sinks there are, see how big your fridge is, see if your bed's going to fit. See if your bed's going to fit up the stairs or in the door, at least. If you have a sectional couch, make sure that it will get in. You know, things like that. Mm-hmm. You sort of do those things. She'd done none of those things. It had the it had the, the ocean view, Lydia. That's what she wanted. Did it come with a cup on a string? Oh, there's no one across the way to talk to anymore. Oh. I guess she doesn't need the bed since she's never fucking anyone in it. <laughs> she has true. so many jobs, she doesn't need to sleep. That's true. She doesn't need to sleep. And she, by the way, her boyfriend with the nasty O face is going to roll up next to her. She's going to put a cup down on his his car. And I'm not I'm not like I'm pouring I'm not pouring my drink on your car. She's literally just using his car as a coaster. Walks away from him and says we're through. I don't need you anymore. No real explanation needed, just no. And it's kind of asks why she was ever with him in the first place. It might have been something where she thought, well, this is, guy has some money. She did try to hit him up for money once. Maybe it was just convenient. And, hey, if I'm ever in a jam and I need some money, maybe I can weasel money out of this guy. Or maybe it was just a thing, like a placeholder. Like, eh, I really want this dream home. I'm unfulfilled in life. I don't have the thing that makes me happy. So whatever, I guess I'll just have this very inconvenient, non-ideal relationship. And but once you got that object of her true desire, what does she need that extra thing for? Why have an unideal relationship when she doesn't need to have an unideal relationship, right? And she barely had time for it at the beginning, like I pointed out. Yeah, I'm thinking. So now she's going to have no time because she's probably going to have to get another job, even on top (laughs) of her other jobs. The down payment would have handled a chunk of that. If she got $2 million and she put, let's say she went hog wild and all of the insurance money went towards that, that meant that she still owed just a little over $1 million. She'll owe a little over $1 million left on it. So I'm assuming that her monthly pay, her mortgage payments would be actually a lot more affordable. A lot more affordable, but it was barely affordable to begin with. That's true. And then they close on some of the news that... The credit crisis is new reality mm-hmm. and insurance rates are going to go up. Mortgage rates are going to go up. Everything is going to go up. So even the sweet deal that she's cut for herself, wink, wink, <laughs> is just going to be as bad as it would have ever been, I think. Maybe not as bad as it could have been if she'd have actually got the apartment for the price that she was originally willing to pay for it and not had to kill a bunch of fucking people. It would have been 10 times worse, but it's still going to be fucking bad. You're absolutely right. They set up the end of this movie. like This is where I brought into the purge because they're like the credit crisis. And this is a new reality. It's spreading all over the globe. I'm like, what is it? Like the purge now? Like everyone's going to start killing people in buildings to get lower lower rates. (laughs) By the way, Lydia, I don't want to interrupt the flow of our podcast. However, dude's fucking the guy from a chick from behind. Yeah. He gets knifed in the back. Cuts his dick off, throws the dick next to the chick, and then she says, he was a dead fuck. Oh, that's stupid. I don't know. (laughs) I don't really get comedy half the time anyway, so it could be brilliant. I don't know. You'll have to ask somebody. Who cares? Who has a soul. Yeah, that too. True entertainers will get it. I think that this was based on uh, true stories, not necessarily one true story. Well, the movie is prefaced as a true story at the very beginning based on a true story. Yeah, I don't think it was necessarily exactly the same sort of flow. Um, But I wouldn't doubt in a place 
like Hong Kong that was experiencing and is experiencing the sort of disparity they have with income versus cost of living, that there were people actually trying to upgrade, as it were, from living in relative squalor to somewhere a little more comfortable by killing the existing tenants. Really, really brutal symptom of what was going down in the early 2000s. Mm. I mean, I wonder if there's any stories like that from contemporary United States where they're just coming out of the horrible mortgage crisis. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Sad. It's a sad thing. True. Where do we go next for him? Next up, we have Blood Widow. And I myself am a Blood Widow, so I'm pretty excited for this one. I think you should be. I think you should be. Let me tell you, this movie is a trip, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You don't say it necessarily convincingly. I like the cover art, though. Let me tell you, that is what got me to buy this movie. I saw the, the cover of Blood Widow. And just like a little boy in a video store, I, I, I have to see this. I have to see this. The killer looks fucking amazing. This is exactly, if I, were to, if I were to pick like what kind of a slasher, what kind of aesthetic would I want to give a slasher? I would definitely do that. Like definitely something like that. Buckles and the doll mask and oh my God, it's so cool. Make it a lady. I'm into it. We also have the gate on tap. More 80s. More 80s. But, but they, I don't mind this one. And this is a fan request. Yeah. And one thing that I want to point out to you guys is if you do, because we haven't mentioned it on the show for a while, if you guys want us to do a particular movie, the best place to do it is probably at my Twitter, if you go to at West Dead Air Nipe, or even on our Facebook, the Spotted Pictures slash Dead Air Podcast, um, the Facebook group. Uh, you can do it there too. And we always try to... Um, we always try to pick some. Sometimes it's, it's better if you guys pick a couple for us to do. But uh, whatever. If there's one movie that you just want us to fucking do, man. You can leave a comment on any of the posts on splatterpictures.net as well. Or comment on the SoundCloud. Whatever's most convenient for you. Yeah. Twitter seems to be the most popular. Twitter definitely seems to be where we get the most requests. Yeah, yeah. so thanks, Twitter people. Mm-hmm. If you haven't tuned into our Canadian horror classic spectacular three and a half amazing hours episode from canada day (laughs) do you ever think back to the time when you told me that you never wanted to do a podcast that was longer than 30 minutes yeah fuck i never wanted to listen to a podcast that was longer than 20 minutes and i just can't get enough (laughs) my commute's also an hour and i spend four hours in utter isolation at work so i kind of need them but (laughs) I'll tell you, three and a half hours when I listened back the other day, that was all I listened to that day because it was like so long. Well, that and Vine Torture Cast, but that's like breathing air, drinking water. Oh, okay. Um, If you haven't listened to it already, do I get to see the director, George Mahalka, at the Rumorg Dark Carnival Mm -hmm. next weekend. So we'll probably be having a hiatus week or we'll do something to patch it up and bring you some sort of semblance of our sexy voices. We'll see. We may just skip it. We, we may just skip it. You might be a week without us, or we'll try to put something in there. Yeah, because it'll be a super fun weekend anyway for me, because mm-hmm. I get to see all sorts of fun people like Bill Mosley. Aside from the, the Rue crew themselves, mm-hmm. uh, maybe bump into Mr. Tomb Dragomir mm-hmm. and Ilamo Del Toro. Yes. Yeah, which will be fun. So there's a lot of really cool people that are going there. If you guys are in the Hamilton area, go to Dark Carnival. We don't get enough dedicated horror conventions so it's really important that when they do them, that you support them. I have high hopes for Rumorg Magazine branching out into doing some of their own 
endeavor outside of the fan expo experience, which personally is not for me mm-hmm. because it's just so much comics, anime, and sports, which I do like aspects of anime, for sure. Horror anime, specifically. Mm-hmm. But I remember being at a Festival of Fear, which was what the Rumorg banner had been under the Fan Expo umbrella, and having people walk down in front of our booth and be like, oh god, we're in the horror section, let's get out of here. And it was just like, I would love to stab you in the temple. And it's not because we're in the horror section either. <laughs> You also have a little guest appearance coming up, don't you? Oh my god, I was trying to get out of here before anyone remembered. Even me, because I'd <laughs> forgotten. Yeah, next week I will be talking to J.R. Hamantaschen and Derek Sotak on one of my other new favorite podcasts, Horrors of Nacho and Hamantaschen. They talk about, it's the literary angle that I specifically like, because there's not enough horror author or horror novel horror writing podcast and they have an aspect of that they also talk about films and they talk about video games they did a really awesome episode on doom and all of the doom video game franchise which was super cool so i'll be talking with them i don't know about what because they're totally slumming it with me i will tell you that much (laughs) oh come on now no i'm serious they're definitely slumming it with me (laughs) i'm hoping that we'll talk about nacho a little tiny bit Jeez, I'm getting hungry. Yeah. J.R. is an author of weird and dark fiction. Um, His book titles have notoriously long titles that he is even reluctant to recite. So I will follow suit. And you can find J.R.'s fiction on the internet as as well as mine, if you're looking for that sort of stuff. And Derek Sotak does the Nachonomicon is his next upcoming thing. And he has a guide to nachos and nachos in you or something. It's a lot of nacho centric what stuff. the fuck is with all the nachos is he it just... likes nachos i think he's like a nacho guru but it's, it's crazy because if you say hey man do you like nachos i'm like yeah i like nachos but also i like other things this guy is just nacho namacon you say yeah which is weird because up until now and i've listened to most of their episodes i think i've listened to all of their episodes maybe not so closely because sometimes my mind wanders into like horror experiments like you do yeah yeah um I don't think they've ever talked about nachos. You know what? This is your opportunity to change that. Yeah, so they don't have to talk about fucking me. <laughs> and on that note, I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air. <laughs>